Hello and welcome to Valkyries After Dark. I'm Kinsey. I'm Abby. I'm Maddie. I'm Liv. And I'm Haley. We're going to be talking about a court of silver flames. Woo! Uh-oh. Wonderful. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What? <laughs> We're just gonna warn them. There's gonna be a little bit of boxing going on here. <laughs> this is oh, probably the most controversial book to us. I guess we call it culture controversial because we all agree Akamath's good, Akawar's fabulous, but there is that conversation where like, is Akasif good? So, and our queen, our of queen, Abby here, is ready to lay it all out for us. Yeah, I, I guess I am. <laughs> you um, are? Wait, are there I, some of us who don't like Silver Flames? Okay, I was yeah. gonna say. So it's all, not my favorite. So, so first of all, like, I, um, when I was doing, like, the reread for this, um, just, like, started at, like, four in the morning this morning and then kind of got through it today. Um, wait, you, wait, 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 wait. You, you read... Just- <laughs> what what hold the door i didn't have anything going on at work and so i just read that casually just you didn't casually. just read i guess casually <laughs> like i waited until after i got off work to get to like the climbing the mountain scene mm-hmm. um because i just knew that was gonna like tear me apart as a human being um yeah but, but what I all the didn't... what about all the other stuff you just read grab the headboard at work yeah Okay. Well, I, I didn't like. I read Echo Sith at work too. Okay. She so, read Dinner Vipers in a Starbucks. So, I mean. That's, that's true. But um, <laughs> the issue, well, the thing is, is that like this would be what my third reread of it. Mm-hmm. So, kind of like after so many times, you're kind of like, ah, just like reminiscing like the good old days of the first time you read it. You know, it's kind of almost nostalgic. Like whenever you first read it, you're like, oh. but it's really not like all that spicy I know that everybody reads this book because it's spicy but like whenever I was getting back to my point I was like about to do the reread and I was like checking TikTok and I just somehow came across a bunch of like Nesta slander oh casually it was like it was like five of them at once it was like there was not even like one between it it was just like five consistent slanders um about how like they couldn't read they couldn't get through silver flames because they how much they hate nesta mm. but that's how you understand her is totally. you read the book you don't just stop just without understanding her exactly and i feel like i mean because i i there's a whole saying about how like you're either a nesta or you're a pharaoh when it comes to dealing with your trauma and i more cope as a pharaoh same. But when I am not facing things head on, I lash out as a Nesta and I have been surrounded by Nestas. And a lot of the time as a Feyre, it's hard for me to relate to Nestas. But seeing this and understanding and like really looking inside her head and into her emotions, it really like open my eyes so mm-hmm. much. And I found it so beautiful and it you, a lot of times I feel like books try to make 
trauma and mental illness look pretty and Mm -hmm. it's not it's ugly and it's brutal and it's difficult and it hurts the person who's inflicted as well as the people around them and I feel like this book does a really great job and I know a lot of people who read this book it can be very eye-opening or jarring or even in some ways triggering because it's so reflective of real life. And I think sometimes when people read Solar Flames, that can be a turnoff for them because of how real it is and how it really makes trauma, like it, it shows the ugly side of trauma and mm-hmm. you know the whole like um, self-medicating part of Nesta and how she destroys her interpersonal relationships with her family and friends because of what's going on and so many people do that and it's the reality of trauma and I think that's why sometimes people despise Nesta even after Silver Flames because it's so real and people don't want to face that so Uh, yeah (laughs) great points great points um the TikToks were more pointing to how they hated how the inner circle had been portrayed but this is also traumas it's like I've seen like a lot of recent um, Instagram posts talking about how they really liked it because of how relatable it was and like Mm -hmm. their sort of kind of recoveries of different forms of trauma and kind of that healing journey because it Mm -hmm. clearly points out this whole idea that you just have to try um which is kind of something that's highlighted even in Feyre's story it was kind of interesting and I wasn't saying this and I'm like don't ever I would if you say if you ever say that I said this uh I didn't but (laughs) like a real podcast so like well it's recorded um, so yeah so it's recorded so this is going down but like there's actually quite a few parallels but in completely different manners for it's like different characters but same meaning Mm. what's between Mm -hmm. and Reese and Cass and Ness in their stories Mm-hmm. like um it like it's completely different but the idea and the hurt that like that kind of growth and hurt in their relationships like those kind of walls are still there like um an Akamath whenever they're in like that cabin and she says I just need fun and it like hurt Reese deeply because yeah. it, it just brought up this thing from whenever he was under the mountain but like he still went along with it, but it still kind of, like, had a wall up for them for a minute there. It's the same kind of thing as, like, Nesta just being, like, this is just sex. This can mm-hmm. be nothing else, even though, like, they clearly have something else between them. And mm-hmm. it hurt Cass in a way, and it hurt both of them, really. Um, but, like, hurt in different ways, you know, because, like, yeah. it to release its trauma, but it also just, it has that same kind of sense of, like, walls in your relationship like kind of keeping things from ever actually becoming like truly intimate in a sense like well no one who's in love with somebody wants to hear those words you know what I mean right yeah yeah. like I mean (laughs) I heard them I had to go through that you know way back when um and I was so I was the Reese and Cassian of that situation so it's like which is probably not great and I (laughs) I handle my trauma and and whatnot kind of like a mix like I don't really lash out per se but I definitely don't face it head on I would rather put it to the side and go out and do whatever I wanted to do than 
face it head on, which is probably, so, I, I, I haven't been to therapy, need to, but have not. So, and, and exhibit A as to how I handle my shit. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't know. I think that the, whenever I kind of think of this, this book and like ranking the things that I think were within the actual story, it's like, it's healing journey, like, and then somehow smut and plot get put on like an equal level with me. <laughs> so I was, the first time I read it, it was only like feud for a healing journey. And like, ever since that, that's like been the priority one for whenever you, like that's therapy book. But the second and third time that I've read it, I actually am seeing a lot more of the plot that people don't actually like look to. Like mm-hmm. somehow in this third read, I have like one scene way more like actually looked into of like Elaine's character that just, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, she doesn't really have anything, but like this third time, it's so distinctly there. Like it really, mm-hmm. tr- in a way that I just had not actually tried to like actively look for. And I think you can overlook it if you don't want to mm-hmm. see it, but Elaine is like there like it's actually really interesting her character whenever I was doing this next year but like I think that it kind of gets overlooked because people are like looking for one of the other things in this and like the smut it's nice it's nice good stuff good stuff there's really not that much of it though like okay I mean I think I think we talk about it so much because it's so different from her other works like the first books in the series all of a sudden it's just um what is it velvet steel whatever it's called velvet wrapped steel whatever it's called but then all of a sudden we get to his cock is enormous so it's so different yeah you uh, can't forget you cannot forget or look past the gluck gluck 9000 dining room table we, i was talking to side note i was ta- we don't have to put this in but i was talking to Haley. um I think it was yesterday or it was before the zoom we were on we were talking for a couple minutes and we were talking about the um graphic audio thing that we're all excited about and I was like Haley are we gonna hear Reese get the glug glug fountain while we're hearing the death of the dying in the background we can put this in it's fine but yes the answer is a positive yes we are but imagine hearing the dying sounds fade (laughs) just in the back and you're like "Ah." (laughs) honestly that would add a lot to the series especially Mm -hmm. like this because like i think she should do it anyway we'll see how they do that but um, i'm excited but you know how much it would get talked about if she did shit like that (laughs) Like, people would listen to it specifically to hear that shit. Like, yeah, right. Um, but like, I mean, that's a good marketing ploy. I mean, you uh, have Sounds of the Dying in Act <laughs> War. But then, like, how graphic is the sloppy toppy delight going to be in the dining room table? Like, are there going to be sound effects? You're like, hey, wait, we need to like, cut. Okay, this, we are actually, we're rated R. It's fine. <laughs> I think it was an explicit like, reading. Fine. You kill me. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, uh, the head. There's just some key no, but like there's just some key things I feel like hearing Cassian say, which is mm-hmm. never recover from. Like I I just I'm here to um pay a I, debt. 
I can't wait to hear quick off the mark, to be honest. Oh, truly. Which <laughs> I, you know, gonna as be. the title of our episode today is quick off the book bookmark. <laughs> I have a great time with these things. Um, <laughs> and you know, this is the book with the Valkyries. It and is. That, that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What we are we came from the book club from was like the Valkyries and now we're Valkyries after dark and oh. like my cute my cute sappy moment where I'm like, look at us, we like will you know complete some kind of we have no there's not a blood right for us to complete but we we're like <laughs> besties and it's so when we all meet up that's our blood right when yeah, we so we're we, all together in person read romances and they also read smut a bunch of bad bitches or something it just kind of works together um conquer we learn a lot of things from each other yeah yes it, it maddie works. educates me a lot oh yeah of <laughs> yeah it's just cute or it's fine um but like speaking of the blood right gets better every time you read it really yeah it's just like i think you miss a lot of the little details mm-hmm. it's just absolutely insane how like a bunch of these like three valkyries with just like what six months of training win the blood right against like these warriors who train their entire lives like i think you see those tiktoks but it's here my theory yes what so the only two people who've ever like fully completed or the two groups that ever fully completed the blood rate were people who were working together it's like that's like yeah over and over again how like it's so competitive and like some of the illyrians can even like kill each other but what if like these three girls with almost no training, one through the power of friendship. Like that's the point. Like that's the same with women. That's the so. point of the blood ray. Like it's yeah. been corrupted and like fucked up, but that's. But that's, that's just it. like that's and everyone that like, is cute. TikToks about how dumb it is that like oh like the last people who who won it were like the most powerful fae alive with all this training. Yeah, but they worked together. The won it was not because they were like the most powerful fae with training. It was because they were working together. Yeah, like, like if you if people who say that completely miss the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree, and I think also the power of women. Yeah, like men ain't shit, but women. <laughs> Thank you. That was nice. Honestly, I'm working out, and I'm hoping by six months I can do shit like that. Yeah, it's so it's so cool, and like, I I. To bring up Maddie's point again about like this friendship thing, but like the longer you go on reading this, the more important you find out like how that that friendship between the three of them helped them with their own healing journey. Mm. Like this whole thing of like you know Gwen hadn't left the library ever since she was brought there, and was able to come out of that, um, and like learn like had kind of the similar thing of never wanting to be in a place of weakness or being. Yeah. Her own autonomy was taken from her mm-hmm. before, and like same thing kind of with Emery. Like, you know, she had been forced into this position where her wings were clipped, and she was left in like this helpless position. And she was kind of working at it, but she felt like she was a coward of sorts, mm-hmm. and having to learn how to work through that. And it was like they had all done that, but the blood right was the moment where it really solidified that kind of moment where it was like okay we can do this and we can do this together yeah 
like you each have to do your own self-reflection and healing and stuff but having that friendship ultimately um ends up being the one like the the last thing you needed to help you get through it and I think that's very reflective on real life too because Mm -hmm. I feel like it's very common for people to be like no I need to do this by myself or I just like that like it's so easy and I, I I'm super guilty of this myself but like the temptation to just isolate yourself when you're going through something or when you're mm-hmm. dealing with things it's it's so real and sometimes all you want to do is just close yourself off and be alone but you need support like you need a support system to really be able to go through things and heal and to be whole again like you need people in your life and you need support in your corner and I think it also shows the power of having your chosen family because even though Farah and Elaine like they do their best to support Nesta they don't get her I think that's so indicative of the power that having people who understand you and support you and love you for who you are and all the ugliness that comes along with it and all the beauty that you are really helps you become like the best version of you that you can be. Uh, I saw a TikTok um, earlier this week. I think I might have seen it yesterday and I can't remember if I sent it to you guys or not about this and like it made me feel so like sad. Um, but it was like Feyre watching like her sister having this friendship and like being happy for her but also being like this is what this is like all I've ever wanted for us yeah I saw that TikTok like not even 10 minutes before I'm here and I was like well I think somebody sent it no I I sent one that Kaven posted I might have sent it I don't remember if I did was it Kaven yeah, Kaven posted one today. It's similar, but I think there, there's there been, I've seen multiple like that. And as I feel like I'm more of a Feyre who is surrounded by Nestas who don't, who haven't climbed their mountains yet in my family, I totally relate to that as to see some, like, like for like the girls know that I am struggling have, having a relationship with my sister right now. And um, seeing her like connect with these other people and like have like a closer relationship when we've had like 20 years of childhood trauma together but yet we can never we can't just ever connect on that level mm. so I told like that that TikTok like hit a little little too close to home it's it's like it's one of those things where it's like I saw that but then there was some part of me that's like everything that Nesta was thinking inside her head was that Feyre had made this whole moon life without her. Like, she had That's all- true, too. Yeah, she totally needed, like, in order to get to that place with her sisters, she needed other people to, like, affirm her. And, like, in order to get through and heal, like, her family trauma, like, you kind of have to do some personal stuff first. Mm-hmm. So, like, I get it. It makes like, me so- feel sad for both of them. Yeah, it just makes me feel sad for everyone involved because I think, too, like, you know, we don't see obviously Feyre's perspective here, but like we do kind of get the sense that like Feyre does get Nesta. Like she gets what's going on. Like she was the one who recommended the Court of Nightmares stuff. Like she does see Nesta and like see what's happening and what she's going through. Yeah, it's um, it's just a very interesting kind of thing. So now, 
Before we I get, wasn't gonna get into anything like actually controversial yet. I was trying to like yeah things that like I felt were underrated that we needed to discuss about Cass and Ness because they're really cute. And I honestly because you know because my favorite we just take this intermission to bless all of the TikTokers who are making Yeah, I was literally just about to say the, that. Um hold on, I can find the song. The the song that's like Oh yes. Mama said Mary for Pardon. money. A rich man's jokes are always funny. Always like nobody. bless bless those people. Um, it is called Young Love and Old Money by Elizabeth Garrity. Gardy. I I've not listened to the whole thing. However, side note, if you do, I have. Yeah, it is, and I think we've all like had that like one particular part, and I had it on repeat lately, and it's and I was texting the girls because like everyone knows I'm not the biggest nest to stand, but that's okay, and yeah, and it'll like make you like just love nesta i think even yeah. more like the well okay so i feel like if you are like actively on book talk then you kind of know like the fact that like we literally are told that nesta's mom told nesta that elaine would marry for money and happiness but nesta would marry for money and power like crazy yeah, like it was it was kind of this moment that nesta was talking about like how um Farah never really liked to stay with the, the ideas of marriage or this mm-hmm. kind of thing. like whenever her father would be doing this kind of merchant stuff Farah was trying to listen in to learn how the business was done but our Farah was trying to figure out how the business was done Nesta was sizing up all of the merchants sons to figure out what would be a reasonable match and how yeah. Farah never understood that um and how like Elaine kind of understood but never truly understood that because it was kind of like that's what her sort of um like value to her family was or to Mm -hmm. her mom at least and then you know that was all taken from her and then she was just so angry that she just wanted to sit there. So whenever they were moved off to that cabin, when her father was beaten to a pulp, whenever her father was just sitting there, she was just so angry that she was just wanting her father to be able to step in for once. And then that never happened. And then she was so angry. She was just waiting to see if it would get to a point where her father would do that. And then Farah did it. And then it was more anger because Farah did what she couldn't do or didn't do. And then it just kept building. And then like this, peak of her trauma is when her father comes to her rescue but she's still so angry and then he dies and then he oh my god and that's just like to die knowing that like you couldn't get over your own anger or hatred or self-loathing beforehand they weren't able to fix their relationship yeah and that's just like deeply painful yeah Um, that's a lot I love my dad more than anything in the world and I if I like was mad at him and then some like and I I don't really have like the kind of relationship Nesta had with her dad but if I was mad at him for some stupid reason and oh my god I can't even imagine that how deep the hurt runs mm-hmm. from that oh my god yeah like she couldn't even like have fire in her room because it was just such a traumatizing the cracking yeah yeah um, that whole thing with the fire 
Yeah, I there's that, where Cassie was like, I should have known, and I just let her be tortured by these fires every night. Um, while we were like hiking. Mm. he didn't know i know poor Cass. with all of this stuff that he realizes like the fire the fact that the epiphany that he had when she continued to say i am not training at the camp and then he finally brings the training to her and and whatnot it's just like i mean he went through a lot of learning processes too i think with especially with her you know yeah and sometimes i I just feel so so bad for it it's important to note that like they have this we, we call them, like, the iconic grumpy sunshine couple. Um, because, like, mm-hmm. Cassie has this energy. But they're really kind of this this same side. Like, they're the, what? Two sides of the same coin. Yes, two sides yeah. of the same coin. Because, like, in reality, as much as we give Cassie and this himbo energy, like, he's this general of this night court. He has all <laughs> the arrogance, and he is super, like, Super smart and like well-read, like smart social cues. They're both dancers. Well, he tried. He he tried. No, but like when no, but I I mean like when he's out on the field, like oh, like like a dance. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I was about to say. (laughs) I think they. He he did a good job. He tried. (laughs) I think they both were kind of like, I guess almost like undermined by their everybody else in the inner circle for like their abilities and what they could actually do because they're actually both really good political powerhouses and these sorts of things but in kind of different ways and I just think that like they're actually a lot more similar and the kind of like anger and self-loathing and these sorts of things that they have for themselves like Cassian about his past and you know like what he did to all of those people who wronged his mother whenever he went back and how he is like this bastard lowborn and how much that actually really caused like a lot of pain for him like they're really a lot more similar than people would I feel like, like I, feel I saw TikToks where people were like Nesta doesn't deserve Cassian and blah blah, blah but point is is that they I feel like they're perfectly matched they're perfectly matched for each Mm. other well they're mates they're equal I know why you love them so much they give um pride and prejudice vibes yeah that's it's something that's like really cute okay which brings up the underrated things that I found really adorable I have some written (laughs) along with some that I highlighted okay she just slapped down her notebook Tell you what, so this I got this thing um, because like I saw that like cute interesty thing where they like, get a notebook and just write out anything and everything random. It's been like ninety percent like active. It hasn't even been. Like, <laughs> That's like, totally fine. Um. Anyway, there's like a random receipt and then just active. That's it. Lovely. <laughs> That's all you. That's need. all you need. Exactly. Um. So. <laughs> so first of all, I'm gonna have receipts for the listeners and for you. Okay, so we have page 262 to 265. This is hardback. So um, this is the moment that Nesta is in the library faking like she can't um, keep her elbow up whenever she's punching in the library. She's trying to convince some of the other like um, priestesses to like come to her training Mm, mm -hmm. before Gwen showed up. So this is like very early on. And it was Nesta knowing so confidently that Cassian would ask permission to touch her 
that um, and knew about her personal space that she pulled that trick at the library for all to see so that like she knew so confidently how much how respectful he was of personal space and like having this sort of consent that she was willing to pull a trick like that for all of these people to see like that kind of like immediate trust without even like them being super close yet and then okay so then we're gonna go to next one page 379 so this is kind of a moment where nesta rolls her eyes and cassian smiles and reese is like you wear your heart on your sleeve brother and he just oh. it off he just shrugs it off as if it's just that's just a fact being pointed out <laughs> i think that's really cute okay <laughs> um wear your heart on your sleeve brother yeah fuck yeah i do yeah it's really cute um okay so then this is page 592 so this is kind of um after nesta does uh the dance with eris Mm. um and like that's a whole thing on its own iconic but cassie you know he learns how to dance for her and (laughs) stuff but cassie would only yield nesta to az who swept her out into a waltz he would only only give her away to azriel i mean is that hint hint to the scene that sjm should fire her editors for um well no but it's just like he would only trust it with like his most closely trusted like brother his brother that would like it just is you know like do i have to explain that (laughs) enough said um okay this isn't between cassian and nesta but page 602 when az gives nesta a reading light then she hugs him and and azriel actually blushes I can't. Asriel! Um, I felt like that was a good thing to bring in for the people who um, don't like Nesta, but like Asriel, because it's Asriel! <laughs> yes. And Thank you, Maddie. Next, page 328. So this is after Nesta has that big nightmare where she, like, turns into a ball of flames and then it's, like, a combination of Reese and Cass that gets her out of it. Um, Aww. Whenever oh, Nesta Cassian sleeping in a chair with like his wings draped over side of it with just like a half thrown blanket on top of him. <laughs> he was just waiting by her bed after that horrible nightmare to be there for her. Oh <laughs> my god. Why well, can't I find anybody like this? Okay, this is not the mood. Because he's written by a woman. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, he didn't try to, like, climb into bed next to her. He didn't, like, go to sleep in his own bed and then come back in the morning. It's like, very much hunt in the shower vibes. Uh, like, the, yeah. in, the sex wasn't needed. It was just the intimacy of them being close. Yeah, and, like, he didn't go and change. He was still just, like, in his, like, boxers, basically. Like, he was just, like, there. Like, he did not leave. And I thought that was really sweet, you know? <laughs> um oh that's therapy um <laughs> next <we> have- <laughs> that <laughs> it was a therapeutic quote from um the mountain climb whenever right we- what is it you can't okay see. okay oh as i'm reading i'm just gonna bring up some of this reese lifted his head this is a bad idea cassian winked that should be written on the court uh the night court's um emblem yes <laughs> but like really uh, honestly this is a bad idea. Yeah. I can picture him saying that too. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's, I can hear it. <laughs> uh, and he was said, 
I'm going to tell you that you will get through it, that you will face all of this and you will get through it, that these tears are good, Nesta, these tears mean you care. I'm going to tell you that it is not too late, not for any of it, and I can't tell you when or how, but it will get better. What you feel, this guilt and pain and self-loathing, you will get through it, but oh. only if you are willing to fight, only if you're willing to face it and embrace it and walk through it, to emerge on the other side of it, and maybe you will still feel that tinge of pain, but there is another side, a better side. Oh, and then everyone deserves happiness. The road there isn't easy. It is long and hard, often traveled, utterly blind, but you keep going. Um, oh, and then the, you don't need to become some impossible ideal. Anyway, I'm fine. It's fine. I'm fine. It's fine. I'm on the first floor. No, it's fine. I'm fine. It's fine. Um, then we have keep reaching out your hand. Oh my god. I'm fine. Why am I like about to start crying? Um. Oh, and then okay, so then this goes into some cute stuff. It's like, whatever you need to throw at me, I can take it. I won't break. Um. Just don't lock. Oh, this is like my act. This is actually this next one. One of my favorite quotes said between them. Um. And it's just like. I think it's really underrated, but I think it perfectly describes how much, like, how well Cassian understands her, even before they kind of get into this mate discussion. It says, just don't lock me out. You have, you want to walk in silence for a week. I'm fine with it. So as long as you talk to me at the end of it. Hmm. It's just, you know, this is why Cassian is my, um, he's just, no, I so feel like he's just aware. He like, is, and he always knows what to say because not only are they super cutesy and I love them for it, but like he calls her out on her shit. Mm-hmm. And he, I don't think he, like I've said this before, like there's some book boyfriends that start becoming that puppy dog, like whatever she says goes. I don't think he'll be like that because when, she, when she's like, well, I don't like anybody. And he was like, well, good. No one likes you either. Like I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> he well, matches her energy and he like, does it's not funny but like it's I mean. not funny but it's like it's what she needed to hear i think it's like he, what she needed to hear but also not because it added to her trauma thinking i did it did but i feel like it also gave her a little boost um yeah and sometimes the truth hurts it does a little bit i think you need to like i feel like nesta she needed to see from and I think she, because Cassian, like that, that, like even though she wasn't aware at the time, like that's for me. So I think hearing it from him rather than. I feel like she knew. Like rather than, you know, Feyre, who they've always butted heads or, you know. Reese. Yeah. Like, you know, like the inner circle, like she didn't have the connection to them that Feyre did, but she had that with Cassian. Like, I don't think way. she would have cared if anybody else had sold. Yeah. She wouldn't have. Yeah. But I think Cassian's just different. And hearing that. Like, I think Nesta tr- truly needed to hit rock bottom to be able to pull herself up. And I think yeah. Cassian was kind of like that last straw. And she was like, fuck. So, <laughs> and she was like, okay, guess I'll get my shit together now and start working out. Get my ass off this rock. Yeah. Abby. <laughs> Just like, you know. It's she needed of- that tough love. 
She needed it. Okay. Okay. Here's what I'll say. (laughs) Do I like Reese? No. Oh, gosh. Do I like that Feyre knew? Okay. How do I say this in words? I mean, at this point, we know your opinions. Okay, you're right. Um, so, but the listeners don't know all of them. You guys <laughs> know all of them. Um, but point they're not gonna hate you. It's fine. Or will they? I, <laughs> um, if you hate me after this, it's fine. But I won't take it too personally. Um, so, point being, um, I think that it was needed, but was like. Mm, Yes, it was needed. <laughs> she was going around treating people like absolute garbage. Okay. And even yeah. though you're in pain and even though you're hurting, like there's a line that you need to, like, especially with strangers, like you don't need to be a dickhead to strangers just because you're hurting. And I think that's where my initial advisal of Nesta came from is because like you don't treat people like shit just because you're hurting. Like, and even more so than that, like, I think what really triggered all of this is not even that, like, not even the money she was spending. It's that, you know, and there's a scene where Nesta sees Elaine and remembers when Elaine was the one, like, refusing to eat and drink and wasting away. And now Nesta is the one, like, she literally says, like, wasting away. It wasn't just that, like, she was being mean to people. It's that she literally was, like, not taking care of herself. Yeah. And, like, harming her. I mean she was in that she was like engaging in forms of self-harm like yeah. a variety of that and so it wasn't just you're being a bitch let me like kick it out of you it was like you are literally like intentionally hurting yourself like yeah. <laughs> you're getting a grippy sock vacation and you're spending all my court's money and not contributing anymore that was where I was like Reese needed to step in now how he needed to step in we all I feel like think he should have done differently but I, I think he should have just cut her off just like well, stop giving I mean, her the money it sounds like Reese has been wanting to do that for a long time and it only has hit this point because Feyre and Elaine were like our sister is hurting herself and then yeah. they like let Reese do what he's been wanting to do yeah you understand, like when you're an outsider and like it's not your family member you see like this is a toxic habit like I can't enable someone but when yeah. it's your family member like it's a little well, bit harder well yeah, yeah. That's also he's. I mean, it, it was the night court's money. He's first and foremost the high lord of the night court. I mean, he's got to also look after his own court as well. Hundred so percent with the whole money thing. I mean, so it's just like, yeah. yeah. And kind of going off Maddie's point. I'm sorry, Abby. I'll give you the mic back in a second. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Maddie's point. And I we had this discussion. I think a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about like, was it right for them to basically kind of in her up. In, like so essentially lock her up but I said yes it was like quote-unquote okay because like Maddie was saying she was engaging in forms of self-harm and you know she was giving into addiction she was hurting herself she was like which you know it's okay to be a hoe if you're being a healthy hoe you know get she wasn't being I don't wait she wasn't wasn't being a healthy hoe and that was a form of, you know, coping and numbing the pain was sleeping with, you know, and again, get your own sleep with whoever you want. But when you're doing it, when you're blackout drunk and, you know, that's not being healthy and it's hurting yourself. And when you, because essentially like you, you hope when you're confronting someone who's dealing with addiction, you can convince them to go to rehab on their own or 
you know, get seek help and on their own. But when they're not, sometimes you gotta give them the tough love and lock them up for their own safety and for their own health. And I truly think that's what the court, like what the inner circle did. Because all in all, even though Nesta was hurting them severely, they did care about her, especially Feyre and Elaine. Like they care about Nesta, like that's their sister. And I think deep down, Amarin did as well because Amarin, like I think her and Nesta definitely care. That's her friend. Yeah. yeah. And Amarin definitely did care about her, especially when she was kind of coming into her powers and helping her with all that. I think Amarin truly did come to care about her. But like Nesta was burning bridge after bridge, which someone who's dealing with trauma will do. And it's definitely a way of coping. And I think they that was like the only option they really had with Nesta. Because at that point, she wasn't willing to help herself. And people with dealing with addiction sometimes you have to kind of force them to help themselves and I think that's what they Mm -hmm. did with putting her in the house of wind I I think they did it in the best way they could because I mean they tried to like they weren't like locking her up in the way that Tamlin locked Feyre up you know they gave her Cassian and you know Cassian still took her places and you know she had a job and like again was it was it necessarily a positive experience no because like she was essentially going to her own Prithian's former rehab. And that's, you know, it's work and it's painful and it's not necessarily fun. But I mean, eventually that's when she found Gwen and Emery. And I think in a way it kind of worked itself out. But I think that really highlights the trickiness and the kind of like gray area of addiction and how sometimes you have to force your loved ones to help themselves so they don't end up killing themselves. And I think that's Nesta was coming very close to that point yeah. even as an immortal like she was she was getting real close like to killing herself so I'm sorry I got on my soapbox go ahead Abby <laughs> I I think kind of the point I was wanting to make is that was it right that Nesta had been so harsh to Feyre and to everybody else no Nesta understood that also um, and it was done for whatever point it was. But I think what I kind of have a hard time dealing with is the whole fact about, and I Nesta made the point, and I tend to agree with it in the terms of like the point of view that it was brought up through, is that you can tell everybody had, everybody in the inner circle has this trauma of some kind. But the person who could be probably the closest to understanding that would be Elaine is going through the cauldron or um, Vera or Elaine with their father and stuff like that. But I don't uh, like and or agree with the way that most of the inner circle, particularly Reese, um, liked to handle Mesta's trauma. And I kind of, you know, they did baby Elaine quite a lot because her form of trauma was dissociating and they just kind of let her do her thing and then you know she at some point found her own way and you know made her own little friends and is kind of doing her own thing and we don't know the full extent of it but she kind of got out of it at some point um or like Farah, everyone kind of whether we want to talk about it or not babied Farah through all of that told her all of this stuff and then while even though Nesta was lashing out and being really hate, really hateful and being really harsh to everybody, nobody tried to baby her in any capacity. The only person who even got close to it was Amran, and then Amran ended up 
ended up betraying like Nesta and the way that Nesta was like one of her breaking points. It was her breaking point to what told her to tell Feyre about the whole thing about her being pregnant and how it was going to kill her. It was that somebody who she trusted betrayed her um, in like a deep personal way and how that like hurt beyond repair. That's like, I trusted you with this and then you decided that I wasn't worthy um, and then decided to hurt me. Well, I think my question is, how do you baby somebody that's literally blazing through bridges and like on purpose? And like Elaine and Feyre were were babied, but they also weren't, you know, blazing through the bridges and and being kind of like, um, I don't know the right word for this, but like, like Nesta's a very, very fiery and strong person and how do you baby somebody that is like that I mean Elaine Elaine didn't talk to anybody Farah kind of handled her stuff sort of face on but and wasn't at all like Nesta was being you can't really treat them the same way I don't I don't think but I mean I think it's matching energy is that like I think on one hand you're right that you definitely like just because everyone every individual person is different like you can't treat someone's trauma the same as someone else and I think that Elaine and to a large extent Farah like very clearly made it like concerted and intentional attempts to reach out to Nesta in the only ways that they knew how and I agree with Abby in that like Reese definitely was out of line and I think like my interpretation of that was from the moment he met Nesta he was angry at her for like letting the job that she should have done fall onto Feyre like I think you know from the outsider's perspective I could see like well it's like go ahead sorry angry that like they he didn't she didn't protect her younger sister but at the same time like you can't like, you can't let that anger make you treat someone like shit. Like, even if Nesta was not having terrible coping mechanisms, I think Reese, like, just generally treated her like crap. Um, and I think it's probably because he was just, like, angry. He was angry himself for not being able to protect Feyre and projecting that on Nesta. Yeah, I think my question, being devil's advocate, is, like, how would your husband's or your significant other... My husband like, would react the same way Reese did. ...do anything if somebody was treating you like that he, you know what I mean I think I, I think they would react very similarly but I also think like you have to have the self-awareness to check yourself like, oh yeah you know, but like I mean action and checking it and also like not really should have checked him and she didn't like it would have been you know if yeah. like Andrew was treating one of my siblings like that like I would check him it depends on the situation because like with my situation dealing with my own personal Nesta who's not climbing her mountain Corey like he's like Olivia is my family now she's my wife now why are you treating her like this when y'all when you've been treating her like this your entire life and he's and I think because like again we see this in Nesta's perspective we don't and I really really hate that we don't get a glimpse of it in Feyre and Reese's perspective because we don't see what's going on behind closed doors we don't know if Feyre is crying to Reese because not only she's stressed about the baby she's stressed about her sister hurting herself she's got a lot on her plate so we don't know what 
is going on behind closed doors and what she's saying to him. And so that's probably um, unintentionally firing him up a little bit, which of course he didn't handle it properly, probably. In the previous book, before, you know, A Court of Silver Flames, we see the same dynamic of like Feyre and Elaine to some extent, like trying to reach out and make amends and like Mm -hmm. Reese kind of just bulldozing it. Like, not intentionally, but just his, like, anger and, like, overprotectiveness, like, completely ruins any chance that Bear had of, like, reconciling with Nesta. Mm-hmm. And, like, like I said, like, I understand where that energy is coming from, but I think you, like, it's totally valid to call him out for that. And, like, oh, yeah. Like, oh, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying, I'm just being double advocate. If, okay. if any of, if, like, so my, for example, my, um, my mom's brother, one of her brothers is kind of along the same lines as Nesta and I mean my dad gets pissed off you know mm-hmm. and one day he my uncle said something to my dad and dad was like not gonna take any of that shit you know what I mean I mean I understand where yeah. that that comes from was it right probably not but you know I understand all sides really I mean yes yeah, I love Nesta personally but like they're just both being assholes. It, it, it's just is kind of one of those things where, like, I also think it's difficult for a lot of people to be able to see, like, Sand, who is, like, you know, their book husband, their book boyfriend, and be able to see him in a negative light in any capacity. Like, being able to be, like, he's, like, this king of consent and all these sorts of things, and then he doesn't tell Farah. Farah. <laughs> you love boys with Petra and you die energy. And he was just directing the energy towards Nesta. Like, yeah. it's an That's attribute true. you like, but he was directing it towards the wrong person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think also we tend to gloss over the fact that Reese is canonically a morally gray person. He does not always get it right. He makes poor decisions. Does he All make the time. them with good intentions? <laughs> yes. Yes. Are they the right decision? No. <laughs> But, you know, he is morally great. He is not, like, yes, he's, you know, consent king or whatever, but he he's morally great. He he is not supposed to be good. (laughs) He's not not the, you know, always in the right. Like, he did some shitty ass thing. Remember, he massacred children. Did he do it with the right intentions? Because he, like, you know, was like pressured by this like almighty person who had him by oh, the yeah. throat in order to save his you know court yes but that is very very much morally gray and he is morally gray and he I saw think he, he saw nesta as like something attacking his court, also so he i wonder if he her. sees a lot of himself in nesta and maybe that's i think that's, they, yeah. i think i think that's they're point. i think they're they are similar she's not agreeing i know but... she's not but yeah. i no, Abby, Abby, I will, Abby, Abby, take Abby, away your emotion Abby. about Nesta and look at it. The connections. I refuse to do it. I refuse to do it. I don't like him. I refuse to do it. Why do you? Can I ask? And Abby. I ask this with genuine curiosity. Why do you dislike Reese so much? We're doing a reread, Abby. No, I, no I'm asking this with no sass, no alternative motives. Yeah. I genuinely want to know why. So, okay, so I'm, I'm doing this reread, right? And there are moments where I am like, this is no hate to everybody who loves Reese. You know, I, I see all of the things and, you know, I hear about when people talk about why they fell in love with him as like a character and as kind of this um 
you know, book boyfriend for them, like somebody who was able to almost like make them realize they deserve something more or something kind of like that, you know? Um, and like, there's moments where it's like, um, whenever they go to what the, is it the summer court? Um, and then like, there's just like a lot of like random cute moments where it's like, you see that relationship and you're like, genuinely. I mean, chapter 54. Yeah. And like, there's a lot of great moments where you're like, he's this perfect person for Feyre and he did everything for the reasons he did that made all of this. And yeah, he's definitely morally gray. Um, I think that it's kind of a long, heartfelt thing I could go into about why, for some reason, somebody like Reese treating Feyre, or not Feyre, Nesta the way he does is just kind of something that like deeply wounds. Um, but it's just kind of this idea of, like, I never really found him ever like I never was like Reese is it for me so there was never like an initial love and then you know I met Cassie and it was like never mind <laughs> I was like I saw how cute he was but there were just aspects of his personality and the way that he handles a lot of things that just really hit something in like a wrong way for me it just never has and then I I never really liked him all that much like I liked parts of him and I liked the general um love interest he plays for Feyre and kind of his own power person but I never really did and then I like read what happens in Akasa and it was just kind of like a sealing the deal moment where I was like I didn't like you before and it kind of has a little bit of like closure in the sense because of how the way the Akasa ends and kind of this well like this moment where it's um you know, at the end when they're planning, like, their mating ceremony and stuff, and Reese has gone, like, all wedding planner on it. There's moments <laughs> where I'm like, okay, this is kind of some cute closure where you're like, okay, he's not as bad. But it, I it never looked at Reese and was like, he was the ultimate love or that, like, yeah. anything that necessarily I was personally attracted to. So it was kind of, like, a mutual, and now it's just this kind of, like, a dislike strong dislike I don't I just dislike him well and I think that's where the parallel with a lot of people's nest is I mean absolutely 100% sort of things could be said and it's fine like you relate to one character more so than you like the like you know what I mean like there's it's just what makes this the series yeah that's what makes this series so good yeah it's everybody kind of has their person they relate to or they love or they do this that and the other with and so, I mean, like, we all agree we love Az. No, so yeah, that's fine. I mean, as long as we all agree we love Azrael, that's I fine. Mean, then it's all good. But I mean, playing devil's advocate again, I love Nesta personally, mm-hmm. but you know, being have you met the, somebody who doesn't like Az. No, I've never met anybody that doesn't like Az. At the end of the day, Cass and Nesta are really cute together, and it's no, kind of yeah. Cute. Like, you see a lot of it in, like, Akor and Akamath, and then you just kind of get this book, and you're like, this is really, like, cute. Like, you could go into all the controversy, like, whether we should have told Feyre sooner, should he have told her at all, was Nesta right for telling her? No, she wasn't. Etc. <laughs> I think Nesta was right to tell her, but not in the but way the, she did But the way she, she did it, because it's, like, every little, or not, every she did sister, it despite her not she did it to her. hurt her not to help her, and that's where the problem was. I agree, but okay. good. 
you know. This was just a little bit of a... That's one thing we agreed on tonight. (laughs) I mean, we all agree that Nessa and Cassian are absolutely adorable. We love them too. Honestly, I see way more about their relationship than I do about Feyre and and Reese. Um, I don't know about that, but they are cute. No, okay, but seriously, maybe it just caters to me really well. Um, Mm -hmm. Are you talking about TikTok? Yes. That's your For Um, You page, babe. You're right. (laughs) Um, It's also uh, the podcast is page now because I've been swiping. But um, also on my my bookstagram, I like it quite a lot. Um, It didn't cater to me very well. But like, I do see like an unusual amount. And maybe not just because it caters to me. Maybe that's because your FBI agent just knows you. Yep. What if maybe this is too controversial? They're a better couple. (laughs) I think they're on for me. I face Anne is my ride or die, but I, for someone, when I read Akamath in that scene where Nesta and Cassia met for the first time in the human world, I was like, I love them, but I, I mean, face Anne, like, hi, Lord, hi, lady, they will always be my number one, but Nesta and Cassia are like right there. They're okay. on the same level. They're on the same level for me as like Elaine, uh, Aelin and uh, Rowan. Well, it's like I see. I okay. I see Feyre and Rhysand as being like the classic version of what I think of as mates. You know, mm-hmm. like we saw each other in our dreams before we even knew each other, and it was like the moment we saw each other, it just clicked. There's something so. I just there's just something that just makes me. They're like yeah you know like yeah yeah they're 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 couple their relationship is beautiful i think maybe i'm just hanging out with abby too much on you know facetime and maybe this is just our destiny as future roommates but she's slowly turning me into a nessian and cassian girl it's that song i like what we were just no it was before even that but that for me it's that song every time i hear it on tiktok but actually don't listen to the full song because um the girl ends up leaving the guy but um <laughs> the whole song is about the great gatsby yeah, yeah. it's it's from her perspective really? but, uh, daisy yeah. daisy is her name yeah, yeah. yeah. it was like you wow. are not the person i wish i could be with at the end of the day i'll choose the guy with the money like i'll end up like um, you should well, have an episode on the great gatsby because i have some feelings about that book i love absolutely i will reread that i have it on my bookshelf i have a pretty copy anyway mm-hmm. okay wait but in conclusion before we move into a new segue um with our lovely and after i have to pee um take a break girls who get it get it the girls who don't don't the girls who girl girl and the girls who girlant gort yes gort um, <laughs> if you don't get Akasif, you just don't. I, I help you. I tried to go into this episode with all of my lovely ladies to help you. If not, anytime, any like we and Abby are, and Haley are doing an Akatar reread together, and anytime Nessa does something to piss me off, like chopping the damn wood, like I'm like, bitch, just chop the damn wood. Wait, I text, Abby, I'll text I need to Abby and be like, help, help me. I send like a whole paragraph. She does. Things to she does. She goes, hope Abby. this helps. Consider me helped. I mean, I loved Nesta anyway. I was just playing devil's advocate. So, I do know you, you, for that- podcast purposes. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I don't tolerate that much Nesta slander. Um. No more than Nesta. No, you don't. Yourself. I need so my, one of my friends. Um. I'll redact her name. Um. 
she is currently on Akamath, and I want to read you the text messages she sent me when she's reading Akatar. Her sister Nesta is a bitch. <laughs> and then I replied, LOL, yeah, because I can't ruin it for her, right? I can't tell her, oh, you're going to end up loving her because then that ruins the whole plot. I told my friend that she was going to I got to let her lean into the hate, Abby. Yeah. And she's like, I'm only on chapter three and I want to slap her. And I said, it makes therapy better. I and never then, hated slant, uh, like Nesta O'Day or moment in the entire series. Oh, I hated her. I hated her. I learned to love her. I learned yeah. to love her too. And I think that's a better journey to me. But then it gets, and then she's like, she's just so entitled and I don't like it, LOL. And I said, yeah, she's a lot. And then she said, can't wait till it gets all fantastical, LOL. But you yeah. don't know her story. And so you don't know her story. Though. This is chapter three, Abby. This is chapter three of Akatar. But she's not chopping the damn wood. Okay, listen. And when all she, she wants to buy new shoes. I'm not gonna say that. Um, and she wanted to take her money. She wanted to take her money and do nothing for it. Absolutely oh. not. You're gonna look okay. at me and tell me that I'm wrong. Abby. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. Get out of that bubble and wore a crown, Doug. I'm not doing this. You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna no, I have I have a I have a happy I have a happy maybe um had a god complex and just couldn't get over herself who it was her i mean she could have let them all starve so so that's that that she could have let her starve too moving on like (laughs) you can't tell me that nesta wasn't a bitch at the beginning of that she was a bitch but pharaoh just took it a little too much she was being a little dramatic how how she was spending all day out in the forest in the cold and in the snow to feed i'm gonna go pee her sister doesn't do shit and just wants to take her money no, you're telling me you listen to those audiobooks and you don't hear the whine in Feyre's voice? Not even like the little bit. Like, okay. No. Have to do it Abby, Abby, Abby. She does. Abby. Abby. I mean, she does. Corey, Corey is listening to the graphic audio. Uh, side note, if everyone doesn't know yet, uh, Sarah J just announced that she is releasing like a movie in your head graphic audios. Um, for the Akatar, which we were all very, very, very excited about. Um, so I was like, yes, this is the only way I can get my husband to listen and experience these books because it's the only way I was going to get him to do it. We are at the part in Akatar where um, I think she's about to meet the serial for the first time, but Corey is like, Feyre is so annoying. <laughs> He's like, all she does is whine. Why doesn't she believe Tamlin that he's taking care of her family? And he's like, I was like, well, because I was like, well, that part I, I, I kind of understand, but the yeah, very I beginning, have to sit- I did not feel the he was like, well, Nesta was, was crying when she left. Well, it's kind I of- said Nesta was crying for herself. She was not crying for, <laughs> but it's funny because he was like, he was supporting Nesta in that moment he's like they were crying in the corner i said i think they were crying for themselves but <laughs> it's I, just funny how he's like pharaoh's annoying okay the point is is it's, uh, there's like i understand that pharaoh's upset and irritated because she's having to step up and do all these things they're both upset at the point where it's just like i have to do this again i have to do this uh, like just like constantly not like it's it just like an annoyance like we get it you have to do it all why are you repeating it over and over again like are you just like I just 
it just shows like her growth i guess yeah um, you gotta it so, makes you appreciate her growth more day, like nessa's a bitch but she learns how to make it into something great yeah yeah yes and then again i i just want to clarify i love nesta i i'm i, I don't be hating nesta i don't hate her i have strong respect for her you know we're getting there with you Luke. we're getting there and i'm hoping in the next book it'll be better because I think it'll be 10 times better the relationship between Reese and Nesta because I mean Nesta basically saved his child and his wife so I feel like their relationship is going to be 10 times better Fair and Nesta's relationship I think is going to be better and I hated the ending of Axif with um, them going to the father's grave I feel like it should have ended with their ceremony because we were were robbed of Reese and Ferris ceremony so I wish we were at least giving given one I think that would have been really sweet I felt really robbed of that however I think it it did meet the ending like I think a lot of people have problems with the way that ended um I remember seeing a lot of people saying it was wrapped up too quickly yeah Um, and I kind of see that I wish I could have if we could have read the mating ceremony because that would have been really cute Mm-hmm. um however I think it ended up wrapping up perfectly in the way that this book was about her her journey mm-hmm. and it was that moment where she was able to like go back to her father's grave for the first it was very time. full circle yeah it, it was, was very, very full circle moment um anyway so now moving in um this is going to be spoilers for a different thing of Sarah J Mass. But we're going to move in with our FBI agent. Um, yes, I have been quiet this episode, not because I don't have thoughts, but because I have too many thoughts and I've been processing them in order to best present them to you all. So <laughs> um, like Abby said, this is a disclaimer. If you have not read both Crescent City books, stop now. Um, like seriously, stop. Don't listen anymore. <laughs> Turn off the episode. These are not we little will, spoilers. We will love you anyway. Don't, don't listen and so don't listen stop right here go read crescent city yeah and then come back and then come back because you'll want you'll want to come back so some of these things we talked a little bit about in our crescent city 2 episode and some of them are things we haven't talked about yet so um i have a list of six things that i specifically wanted to link together and these are these are like not like small references these are like bigger plot points that i think are connected so we can talk about some of the smaller things later too if we want but the first thing I want to talk about is actually from the prologue um and I and the whole thing about Andrew come in here was because I had him bring me my copy of Silver Flames because I have the first three on my Kindle so I can just like search for things on my phone which is really nice um but I don't have this one I just have the hard copy so I have my my version with my beautiful covers um by Nerdy Ink Oh, those are gorgeous. Mm. And I wanted to read you the last sentence of the prologue. So right. this is page three of the hardcover. Wrapped in black eternity, Nesta and the cauldron twine, burning through darkness like a newborn star. So, you know, those of us who have thought long and hard about Crescent City know you know the starborn powers play a really big role the Asteri like claim to be stars so to have that like so blatantly written out there that Nesta was a newborn star um Mm. really stood out to me so that was just my first little thing and kind of leading into all of these other bigger points so my next one is related to the bone carver Striga in Kosechi. I don't know if I'm saying that right. 
Um, but we see the bone carver a couple times throughout the books. And Kosechi, we see referenced a lot in Akasif as helping um, Brynolin with the essentially the new front in this war that they've been fighting this whole series against, you know, Highburn and then the people who came up after Highburn was killed. And we're told very, we're told some very vague things about them. So we're told that Kosechi's origins are, you know, legendary. No one really knows, you know, it's kind of just legend. And in Akawar, the bone carver tells Feyre and Cassian a little bit of their backstory. So he tells them, and I'm quoting here from the Aka, 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 fuck me. Um, the Akatar wiki. Yeah, wiki, just because I don't have the time to actually find all these quotes. But the Akatar wiki summarizes it by saying, in a distant past and the times before the cauldron and the mother and before the kingdom of Prithian was created, side note, um, we're told in A Court of Silver Flames multiple times that this was roughly 15,000 years ago. Mm. Um, which again, like if you remember the timeline in Crescent City, that's about when the Asteri um, moved into Midgard after being kicked out of their previous stronghold. So like this is the kind of the timeline we're looking at here. Back like when the Asteri was probably on Perithian. Or on what is now Perithian. So before the kingdom of Perithian was created, the bone carver crossed the dimensions of another world. He says he fell into this world of his own free will along with his sister Straga and his older brother Kasachi. So th this, again, like the verbiage is very similar to what we hear when Aelin fell between the worlds. Um, and this wiki page says dimensions, but like that's not really canonical. They're just worlds. The three siblings who are immensely powerful by the world standards are taken as gods by the ancient fae that lived in the world and later worshipped by those fae. So they were gods. They were worshipped by the fae. And it also talks about how they, specifically Kosechi, fed off of life itself, um, which to me reads a lot like first light mm -hmm. so kind of asking here like are, is this related to the asteri like where is this coming from um and, and the bone carver also tells pharah that he allowed himself to be locked up in the prison the prison under the mountain by the same ancient female fae so this, this woman never has a name reference she's just referenced as an ancient female fae who tricked his sister and tricked Kasechi and bound them both. And that this powerful sorceress or this powerful fae like was going around and intentionally like rounding up these people. Does that sound like Maeve? Well, to me, you know, when we were talking about Crescent City, we were asking what happened to the, the second sister, the second daughter of Thea. So to me, that sounds like Thea. Ooh. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's what it sounds like to me. And the bone carver even says that he like refers to her with affection, saying that no one remembered his name anymore, but he did and he would not forget it. 
She would have been my salvation had I not made my choice long before she walked this earth. That sounds to me also very similar to like kind of the vibe we get from um, Adidas about Thea. So just kind of a like interesting parallel there. And he also says, and so this is this is this is like <laughs> the, big, the big reveal. He also says, although her bloodline is long gone, a trace still runs through some human line. So we've asked a lot who like Thera and the sisters like clearly were fated to become Fey, like very clearly, you know, Reese was bonded to Feyre even before she became Fey, And so like my interpretation here, like my prediction is that they are, you know, distantly related to this ancient powerful Fey woman who is the second daughter of Thea. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that that's what I got out of all of that. And I realized like none of that bone carver stuff was in this book, but like I think it was really related because of all of the stuff about Kasechi in this book. And it kind of changes the whole framing if we say that Kasechi might be an Asteri. Um, mm-hmm. And he's literally mm-hmm. the main villain now, basically. So we have yeah, now this character Bryce, where her main villain is the Asteri coming to Perthian, where the main villain might also be an Asteri. Um, so that's really interesting to me. Okay, and then the next one is uh, the Trove. And I know we've mentioned this before, but in um, chapter 54, in chapter 54, the, Nesta is telling everyone about what happened when she got the mask. So what all went down in the fog. Here. Don't let him up here. And she asks Reese if there could be a fourth piece of the Trove. And she says that it is like it she seemed like like it felt like it was bone um a fourth object laid on the altar veiled in shadow but she couldn't make out more than a gleam of age worn bone Mm. and so like that's a vision she has and to me that screams the horn yeah and I think it fits really well like we have the mask we have the heart like they're not like like even the name kind of fits with the um, kind of current naming convention. And now it's worked on Bryce. Oh right. And so the second reason I think this is true is because um, when she, again, is like recapping this to Amran, the Kelpie that like was trying to drown her was speaking to her. And Amran says it was speaking in a language that hasn't been spoken for 15,000 years. So oh, the, trove, the, the last time the last time the trove was seen was 15,000 like this, this, they're very clearly laying this timeline here like this is a very clear connection to the timeline which is exactly like what Amran said when Bryce showed up was like we haven't spoken this exactly. old language of the fae exactly <gasps> also it makes sense because the horn before it was stolen that night it was on an altar and it would also like calling back to like there's a huge motif in all three of SJM's words about like calling to like. And the fact that Bryce would fall to Prithian where the rest of the trove is, since she has the horn on her back, it's literally the gate or whatever the fuck arch thing that she went through. It's like calling to like. And the like mm-hmm. of the trove called, I, well, I think, is called Bryce to Prithian. 
because of everything that's going on because why why else would she not end up in hell agreed so and again like this next theory we also have talked about a little bit on some of the crescent city episodes and this is the theory regarding the prison and the desk court so if you have listened to our crescent city episodes you know that kind of our theory is that the starborn power and like the isle that bryce in the starborn lineage links back to is the desk court because like the theory basically say like it was a uh, land always steeped in twilight on an island mm-hmm. and where the mountain um the prison mountain is on this island and nesta says in chapter 55 um i think whoever used it last speaking of the harp did something horrible with it. Maybe trapped the people who once lived on the prison's island in the wall somehow. Oh my fucking and God. Basically just is like, no idea what that even could mean. But that makes sense because this has all been spelled to be forgotten. Yeah. So, and, and that kind of, you know, highlights too this idea of um, after the Assyria were banished from Perithian or like the land that became Perithian, there was still like, individuals who remained and like some kind of fight to expel them and like a struggle between the remaining Asteri and this other daughter of Thea and we get told a little bit more about that in the same chapter like literally right after the sentence about the mountain Nesta is like trying to get Reese to explain to her what the wild hunt is because Lanthus which was a creature imprisoned under the mountain uh, in the prison had mentioned it and again he says honestly i thought it was a mere myth but again like that's that tracks for this stuff and again he says assuming he was telling the truth that would make him more than fifteen thousand years old so again and again we're like this timeline is being hammered in here about the fifteen thousand years um and we saw that also in crescent city too that timeline really hammered in so he goes on to say and i'm quoting from the book here so what is it then, Fair asked, speaking of the wild hunt. Reese left a hand and a book of legends from a shelf behind him floated to his fingers and he laid it upon the desk. He flipped it open to a page, revealing an image of a group of tall, strange looking beings with crowns atop their heads. The Fae were not the first masters of this world. According to our oldest legends, most now forgotten, we were created by beings who were near gods and monsters the Daglin. They ruled for millennia and enslaved us and the humans. They were petty and cruel and drank the magic of the land like wine. So that's the Asteri. Like word for word, that's the Asteri. And then he goes on to say, some strains of the mythology claim that one of the Fae heroes who rose up to overthrow them was Fion who has given the great sword Gwydion, which is the starborn sword, by the high priestess Olana, whose name we have not heard before in either series. Like, like maybe, is this the other daughter? Possibly, I don't know. You said Olana? Who dipped it into the college. Oleana, O-L-E-A-N-N-A. Okay. Fionn overthrew the Daglin and a millennium of peace followed. The lands were divided into territories, so on and so forth. Um, and then Fion set himself up as high king. But then again, like he never, he still didn't say what the wild hunt was, which Cassian points out. And Reese goes on to say, the Daglin delighted in terrorizing the Fae and humans 
under their control. And the wild hunt was a way to keep all of us in line. They gather a host of their fiercest, most merciless warriors and grant them free reign to kill as they pleased. The Daglin possessed mighty monstrous beasts, hounds they called them, although they don't look like the hounds we know. They, they used to run prey to the ground before they tortured and killed them. It's a terrible history, much of it myth. And, you know, Ness is then sharing this vision she saw and the fourth item in the trove. Blah, blah, Do we blah, think blah. the hounds are what Baxian is? That is what I was thinking. Did I steal your thunder? I'm so sorry. No, I, I, okay. I wasn't going to like say that, but like that's like kind of what was itching in the back of my mind, like the bloodhounds, um, which is like really interesting. Nesta also says that they look like the beasts carved into the hewn city, which is an interesting um, little tidbit there. Um, I have a question. I don't know if you like yes. have this in here. Um, so it kind of ends up being brought up at this whole thing about um, what's his face, the bone carver's uh, brother, older brother, um, that this idea that he's like death himself and how, what's a death lord um, and how they thought he was death himself, but they also relate Nesta to being death herself. Do we think there's, does that relate to that first connection about like how there's the same kind of bloodline idea possibly? I was more thinking with Nesta's power and like the idea that like she is death herself and with you know the Asteri consuming first light and you know second light like I kind of makes me wonder if like that's not somehow connected um and you know Nesta was for like got this power from the cauldron and we aren't really ever told what like uh, her death power is or even if that like that's a power she was gifted or if that's a power she took. So that is a great, great question. Um, but before I move on to my next point, I also wanted to mention here, they talk about Amran. And again, like we've talked a lot about Amran um, in our Crescent City stuff, but Faye asked, does Amran remember this? And Reese said only vaguely she arrived during those years before or Gwydion Rose and went to the prison during the Age of Legends. So this part's really important to me. He says the Age of Legends was the time when this land was full of heroic figures who were keen to hunt down the last members of their former master's race. They feared Amran, believing her one of their enemies and threw her into the prison. So to me, that is like the remainder of um, like Thea's people were hunting the Asteri and like Assyria aligned individuals who were left on on Perithian. and that kind of links back to this ancient fae female who was during the exact same time period going around locking up ancient creatures that kind of low-key low sound like a steery yeah so in my mind that's that's linked um okay. <laughs> okay I swear I'm gonna move on to the next thing but my one last thing is so do we remember in Crescent City to how the starborn sword um, kills a reaper. Yeah. Nesta's sword kills an immortal being, a death god. So, yeah. him, like, made so that's a made sword thing. So, like, I don't know, like, what relevance that has. I just thought it was an interesting connection. So, do we think that, well, True Tale Teller is obviously the dagger that goes with the Starborn sword. Mm -hmm. Um, 
wouldn't she be able to tell whether truth teller was made so truth teller definitely was made it just um, never got mentioned i guess it's kind of like an assumed thing well it had been mentioned before when like they were telling the story of truth teller like when we first kind of met asriel and like we're told about it but it's not really mentioned here oh maybe i just don't remember that so do you think this relates to like nesta and like specifically elaine since we assume that elaine's going to be a a major part of the next parts of the akatar slash crescent city city series that because she was made sort of like her and uh, nesta were made by the trove thus thus technically being almost do we think they could almost be part of the trove in a sense if that makes sense they might be so and someone on reddit had posted a theory or commented that since nesta was made it's possible that she could like essentially extract the horn from bryce and like reform it into a physical object um what hopefully bryce doesn't have to die in the process that's a good point that would be interesting um i also like the uh, there's this fun idea that um because the mask can technically bring people back to life what if bryce used it and was able to bring back danica and the shut the fuck up no because her last kernel was used to back to life it controls the dead but if she's dead but unless they have (laughs) like it's not like they have it's not like they have sentient minds it's like your mind controlling corpses like and also her last kernel of light or whatever energy was used to get bryce through the drop but we assume that that was under the false pretenses of what we assume the world was before we know what the asteri are and how they work within this world point being overall we a lot of people say that they don't understand this kind of side plot that was happening in this book but after you read like house of sky and breath it, everything makes, so, all it makes so setting sense. It like this is setting up the next book 100 percent, and that leads me into my next point so my next point is actually going to sound like it should be my last point but my last point is kind of an unhinged crack theory and i'd rather nice. okay um so my last point was kind of like, okay, so what does this mean for the next book? And as I've said before, I think the next book is going to be, we haven't been told, we don't even know if the next book's going to be an Akatar book or a CC book, but I think it would make sense for it to be an Akatar book. Like it wouldn't really make sense to publish two CCs in a row. And my best guess would be going to be about as and um, whoever she ends up with. <laughs> And she's saying Elaine. Um, I think, like I said, I think it hints towards Elaine. And I think it works for this story now that we know the Crescent City pieces. Um, and I think it's going to be about them, like, f- helping Bryce get back home using these, you know, made objects. And also, like, freeing the people under the prison mountain and kind of reconstituting the Dusk Court. Um, that makes a lot of sense to me as for like the plot of the next book i think i think that's a really interesting theory and even though i'm like a hardcore like gwen nas thing i like it i think the only thing that i have now because this reread has been like the most i don't know i guess well-rounded reread i've ever had because now you see that clearly this plot that never really fully made sense Mm -hmm. makes all of the sense like I was reading it and, and I knew that you were going to be the one who talked about all the theories because you actually connect all of the dots in a way that I could never mm-hmm. um 
that it was like, oh my God, everything that never made sense before, you know, this Mm -hmm. black figure that Moore sees on her little state in Frost and Starlight, everything that happens in this book, all of it starting to connect in a way we never understood fully. Like, I think everybody was like, the plot that was happening on the side of the ground, like, makes no sense. Why is this even here? It's because it's setting up for this. And I think that's so cool because you're kind of like, oh okay this makes all the sense um but yeah i just i really love all of this yeah, i agree definitely like, I opening a lot of doors there's a lot of theories about like people saying that they want this next like crossover book should just be like a really short crossover like a cute uh-uh. little like like no. you know like when we had hannah montana and sweet life that crossover no. we need a whole season that's not an episode to me that's clearly not what's getting set up here because in my mind they're fighting the same villains yeah and we've already like like it wouldn't have gone to all of this history trouble to set up a little baby crossover so to me it's like this is this is gonna be like at least a full book and I wouldn't be shocked if we have a book of crossover like set in Prithian and then another book of crossover that's set in Midgard like I think that's what's being in Prithian and then the inner circle going over to Midgard that would make a lot of sense to me too um, so we'll kind of just have to see how that plays out. If we in a nightclub. <laughs> right? right? That's going to be so cool. <laughs> right? But if I don't get the inner circle's point of view of Bryce getting there, I might freak out. That's okay. really like, I just think that's that got to be, be at so least a bonus epic. chapter somewhere. I think that would be so epic to get their side of like walking out and seeing Bryce what reprimand did Nesta say? I think the next book is going to be like from the IC POV. I hope so. And then the book after that will be back from like the Midgardians. Yeah. POV. So that is like is what makes sense to me. Um, I kind of want the Valkyries to come back like I think that I think that they would go fight oh, oh yeah they're absolutely gonna go back court because now that we have this idea that there's like the Pegasus's like Jelly Julie's stuck on the dust court that's kind of hidden away what if the Valkyries come back with their pet I just I have a lot of cute things I just feel like I need to see for the point being um yeah I I think that like there's just so much now opened up and I feel like now we even have to go back all the way to Throne of Glass, which we'll have episodes further on this for the listeners to hear, um, where it's like, what about this world? Like, this is a whole crossover. There, Yeah, there's a lot of openings for that mm-hmm. as well. So stay tuned for our Throne of Glass episodes. Those are going to be dope. I'm so excited. I still have Ooh, to read them. Ken's, we have the bully. We're bullying Abby to read Harry Potter. We're bullying Ken's to read Throne of Glass. She's getting re- to it. She's getting to it. I'm reading it after War of Two Queens comes out tomorrow, people. Um, and I just want to like throw this out, out there this, that yes. I don't subscribe to this theory, but for my Gwenriel stands, if if you subscribe to the two theory, if you subscribe to the theory that Gwenriel is a light singer, which again, like we've discussed this, we will discuss it again. Like, have some problems. However, if that is the theory you subscribe to, and as is a shadow singer. Who better to rule the dust court? I just think that um, there was the point being made that Elaine fits in at the spring court, and I feel like that wasn't made without lightness. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could see it going either way. I'm just like, but why would you bring it up if you're not going to bring it Especially up? Especially since the spring court's, like, 
for all intents and purposes falling apart and they need a basically a high lady i mean they're gonna need a high lady to do well i mean the other the other thing i could see is somehow elaine and lucian reconciling and going to the spring court and yeah you know and we've mentioned this before that like because of the prophecy about the the dagger and the sword it talks about how the people will be reunited not just like overthrow their oppressors but like the word reunited to me means like all back on one planet Mm. or at least a little bit and if Bryce's line is from the dust court to start with Prisian yeah that might make sense but that's like kind of an out there theory just because we don't know enough do we think she's so what do we think is going on with Autumn King like in Midgarden yeah like the I mean, fact so that he's the Autumn I, King, why would I he think. be called that? I mean, I think it's very clear that some of the court stuff still came over from uh, the um, from Perithian. Like, you have a group of people who mostly have night court powers. The Autumn King, like, clearly mostly has autumn court powers. Like, it, it makes sense to me that they would still use some of that language. And I yeah. think the other interesting thing here to note as well is that in my personal and this is like has nothing to do with Avatar, so this is just a cc aside but we know that rune and bryce have two different types of starborn powers so my personal opinion is that neither of them got that power from their father and they both got it from their mothers um yeah so well because cormac has it on that side right so has the shadows so clearly like the house of the shadowy court has like that lineage and I think Bryce does as as well so it can't be from the Autumn King so to me that's from their moms but that's a whole different aside so last but not least my kind of crack theory like I feel like it's not crack theory but it's like traumatic and like has dubious um we like that dubious foundation in the canon so okay this book obviously has a lot about the trove and I, I can't remember, correct me if I'm wrong, were, are we told that the Asteri created the horn? Do we know where the horn came from? Oh, fuck. I um, it came over with them and if it matches with Silver Flame saying that it fell through. Okay. Well, anyway, that makes sense. So that would mean that the Asteri are familiar with the whole trove. Um, and the crown is used to bind people, mind control people. Like we see some characters that are like, like basically have no sentience left. And we have some characters like Eris that like seem like themselves, but are not really themselves. And we also have a certain type of crown in the Crescent City books. Um, so I guess my like crack theory is that the Asteri created the crown of thorns as inspired by the trove crown. And there's a lot of speculation about what the ending of Crescent City, like the ending of Hunt's POV in Crescent City 2 meant. Like he went unconscious or did he like completely lose his whole entire- Oh my God. That would be my inquiry there is like, if this is inspired by like the crown crown, Interesting. Well, I mean, the mind control hybrids. We'll see. Basically, we're like the inner circle. We were just living our daily lives, and (laughs) And then shit just got dropped. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But anyway, at the end of the day, Silver Flames was a hell of a way to start like the new part of the Akatar series, basically. Mm. Oh, for um, sure. Like phase was, two. Like this is phase two, and it this is probably leading to what it's going to be the finale of like a whole partial universe of Surgeon. Yeah, over ten years. I feel like I'm in Marvel. It Marvel is. could never. But like a lot of universes. Yeah. Lots of worlds. Who whatever like the the people who read Sarah J. Mass get it. Mm-hmm. If you haven't read all of it, you just don't. You think Rune's gonna go to Prithian? What if oh he needs Reese? That would be like one of those like mirror moments. It's like that, right? that, that Spider-Man meme, like Yeah, right? Because Bryce with Azrael too, it's just like yeah, because Bryce thought that he was rude, no? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see where it is, and I absolutely love all the crack theories from Maddie, mm-hmm. all of the really great ones. Like, it's I'm just... So excited. It, it makes... It's an exciting day and time for readers everywhere uh, who read this sort of stuff. I just have anxiety over it, so... Oh, same, yeah. As for someone who, like, because Abby was saying that, like, people didn't get uh, a quarter silver flames the first time I didn't get it the first time I'm like what is this Nesta I'm happy for you you got your man you got your sister everyone's everyone's good the plot did not make any sense to me so I'm very excited to do this reread um because now I can't don't have to focus on the 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 uh Cassian's um you know I don't have to focus on that ginormous ginormous cock. <laughs> cock so <laughs> Okay, I am excited. Well, I guess that's the end of the episode. Um, so, anyway, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, please like, subscribe, um, tell your people, everyone, and all of the worlds about you liking this podcast. And, um, <laughs> you know, keep reading. Live life. We love you guys. Light, Light it up. up. Deuces. Mm-hmm.